0: Hey everyone, how's it going? This is the Raptors Weekly Podcast and you're listening to the post-draft show. If you want all the live reactions and stuff, the Raptors Republic crew, we did like a four-hour live stream and uh, there was a lot of viewers, so that was cool. But if you want the less insights, more reactions, and I guess goofs and gags, you can watch that. But today we're here for insights and insights only, basically. So I'm here with Zach Milner, who is a professional scout, was out of the public sphere for about a year, is back into it, has written publicly for the Stepien, and coincidentally has seen every single Coloco game. 91 of them at Arizona. So he is somebody who has a tremendous amount of insights and information on this guy. I'll top us off by saying from Dual Cameroon, same spot as Pascal Siakam, started basketball late, similar to Pascal Siakam. That is probably about where they're their comparisons end. They're very different players, but it's cool that they both have those similar stories kind of come up on. And the Raptors select him at number thirty three. And Zach, while we get into it, I just want the the elevator pitch of Christian Coloco Why is he a guy that Raptors fans should be excited
1: about? Yeah, so Raptors fans should be excited about him because I mean the defense was already so good last year, and you knew they were looking for it like big. It made sense for them to get some more bench minutes from a big, and he really really dominated on defense in college. Arizona was one of the best defensive teams in the country, and he was a big reason why. Um, Just the rim protection, the rotations, using his length, all that stuff combined just makes him so impressive on that end. Um, Offense, there's room for improvement there. But, I mean, if you're trying to be excited about him, there's so much to look forward to on the defensive end with him. Okay, and when we talk about
0: a guy really popping on defense – How do you parse through as a scout a guy who's good defensively for the collegiate level who may not track at the NBA level and then identifying a guy like Coloco who you're supposed to say, okay, this guy is going to defend, hopefully not just, you know, at a decent level, but a high level at the NBA as well?
1: Yeah. So in college, there's. A lot of guards who aren't as dynamic as there are in the NBA. So you don't need as much mobility um in college than you as you do in the NBA. And you can get by it. There's obviously some bigs in the NBA that aren't as mobile either. But but yeah, in, in college, just there's not as a dynamic guards, so it makes it easier for bigs to defend. Um but but yeah, Coloco going to the NBA level, he's pretty mobile for a big, I mean, if you want to compare him to like, let's say Mark Williams and and Walker Kessler out of those three, out of, yeah, out of those three, he is probably the one who has the best movement skills out of the three. Um, but yeah, so just separating college and NBA, I think a lot of it does come down to, um, movement, but there's also different kinds of pick and roll coverages and, and how teams are going to take advantage of that. Um, NBA is also a much faster game. There's more athletes, so you have to have quicker reactions time. Um, better feel all that kind of stuff.
0: Okay, so when we talk about pick and roll coverages, which I think is the the starting point for big men conversation always on the defensive side of the floor, the Raptors they played a lot of different coverages. Like Precious Achiuwa played at quite a few different levels of the screen. He switched, they did some switch to blitz, they hedged. They did basically everything, but drop was mostly Kem Birch and with middling effects but that's because cam birch is he's while he's seen as a defender that's the number one thing with him as a big he's not dominant and he's also dealing with injuries so the raptors didn't find much success in drop with coloco size he's the biggest player on the roster now by some margin do you expect them to play drop with him is that something that he might be good at or does he have more scheme diversity i guess
1: yeah, I think um, he definitely can play drop. I Actually, um, I guess we'll go back to the walker Castle Mike Williams trio again for a second. And I think another part that he has over those two is he probably is the most versatile with a variety of pick and roll coverage that he can defend. Um, but, I, but I would agree and would say that drop is probably the best equipped for him. But there are times where he can blitz or hedge or... Show or be at the at the level. But yeah, there was there was plays this year where you have him against some dynamic guards like Kennedy Chandler on Tennessee. He's in drop, contains him in the pick and rolls, able to backpedal and still break out the lob from behind him or with his length, it's trying to get over him with the lob. Does a good job using his lengths on unlobs, getting his hands out down low on pocket passes. So he, he is able to uh to play in the drop for sure.
0: Okay. And when we're talking about let's say more dynamic coverages at the nba level how do you feel about him being put in the mixer with nba level guards switching out early clock switching out late clock hedge and recover all this kind of stuff
1: definitely not the the ideal stuff i think drop is best for him but i I would say he can do it in a pinch um not sure i would want it most early in the shot clock maybe he gets there on certain on certain players he can i wouldn't do it on like the dynamic guards but in the UCLA game this year, they have like a big wing, um, Jaime Jaquez, who's not the most athletic guy, but he's still a ball-handling wing. And and he was able to, to actually do a really good job defending him on switches throughout the game. So I think on, on certain players, he can switch on more than others. But if you were to have him switched out onto a, on someone at the end of a shot clock, I wouldn't be too worried. I mean, obviously in the NBA, offense sometimes just beats good defense, but he should be able to hold his own to a certain um, respect. But if you want to bring out some hedges and recovers, he's pretty solid there. The thing with Arizona, as they actually did throughout his three years, show a different, different kinds of coverages. Um, I think drop was the most used as well, but he did switch at times. He did hedge or recover. He blissed, all that kind of stuff. So he definitely has experience with all those.
0: When we think about guarding the rim, which is supposed to be, you know, a big thing that Coloco brings and something that the Raptors had been achieving through kind of a democratic process, Throwing a lot of bodies at drives just to dissuade guys from the paint, but also to contest guys in air. And Coloco, I'm wondering, there's a couple different ways to defend the rim. There's kind of defending shots and then defending the rim with a lot of pop. The, you know, you sent me a few clips where like Coloco's tracking back and blocking a lob, and that's right in front of the rim, beating guys there. But as far as just being an obstacle, you know, if we're talking about drop defense, being that pressure point in front of a guy's face and stuff like that. What, what does he look like guarding shots in the intermediate range and then challenging, let's say athletic guys at the rim to kind of reject those in the classic shot blocker style.
1: Yeah. So in the intermediate range, I think he's good. Once again, his length is just a big factor for him. He, he does a good job using it to his advantage. So if someone's trying to hit a floater over him, I mean, they may have to shoot it from a little bit further out because he has the length. He got a hand up. Um, I will say he can get a little jumpy at times, but I do think over his three years, that did get better over time. And then in respect to just defending the rim against athletic guys, um, I think his strength is probably worth bringing up a little. I think over the years, it's gotten better as well. Um, wouldn't say it's the best this year. Um, still, Still some room for improvement, but I do think his timing and jumping at the rim, along with his length once again, does give him the ability to protect the room against those athletic guys as well, for sure.
0: Okay. And then on the offensive end, I saw... So this is something that some people said. I heard that it was mentioned on the broadcast. And typically for the guys who operate mostly as these lob bigs in the pick and roll, the immediate comp is Clint Capella, which I think is not good because Clint is like so such a good player that it's tough to just say, oh, he'll be this guy. And Clint Capella probably was compared when he came into the league to some like nondescript roll big until he became the archetype. His versatility on offense, considering that the Raptors don't have like Fred Van Vliet, I'm sure you're well aware, is not great at providing guys with these massive rim running lanes or lobbing guys either. He's mostly finding guys in the short roll or spraying out to above the break or the corners. How do you expect Coloco to succeed as a rim runner on this Raptor squad?
1: Yeah. So as much as I like the defensive fit, the offense is sort of where I am a little, a little worried. Um, seemed like they were improving his strength, but not really addressing the offensive side too much. But I mean, in the early second round, you can't get too critical. You can't get too critical there. I mean, if he's able to give good minutes, he's able to give good minutes. Um, but yeah, the offense is a concern. Um, the first and second year at Arizona, he he struggled catching balls. Like he would drop a lot of balls and wasn't really a threat at all. This year he improved his hands a lot, was able to catch lobs. He was a good um play finisher on lobs. I would say though, like when he catches the ball on the ground, sometimes like it's a win for the defense. He doesn't doesn't have the best touch. The decision making isn't the worst, but it's not good either. Um, I think like they would sometimes throw doubles at him when he had the ball on the post, and that's not going to happen at the NBA level. But if he knew a double was coming, he could make the right pass out of it. But if he was caught off guard by the double, he would either turn it over or he would take three seconds before making the right play. So um, I think the decision-making could use some improvements. But yeah, the, the offense and, and as a role guy, I think with him, my hope for him where, where he got drafted to at least make him viable in offense was to, to get him with... Uh, a dynamic guard who was able to put pressure on the rim and, and draw the defense to them around shooter so he can be used as a, as a lob threat that was i think the ideal way for him because without that i mean he's pretty much just the guy you want to put in the dunker spot and that could get pretty clunky on offense of the high
0: usage uh pick and roll guards in the nba do you know which high usage guard puts the least amount of pressure on the rim you can say it. I'm not going it's, to. It's Fred Van Vliet. He is, he's not going to put pressure on the rim. So that that is something that I thought was interesting. I guess some of this can be papered over by Pascal was getting way more pick and roll possessions as the season went on. He was, it doubled in the playoffs. Like his frequency was quite high against the 76ers and he was also quite efficient in that play type. I think he was above 80th percentile. And And Pascal is like, a pretty great table setter considering his size and his, his skill set. So I wonder how much they go to Coloco with Pascal in the pick and roll. I wonder if Malachi Flynn is able to, even though he's, he's like, he was a pick and roll maestro, although he didn't do it through rim pressure and certainly doesn't do it through rim pressure. So I'm interested to see if they have any counters or combos. And then Scotty, Scotty is pretty good at finding bigs in like those insane tight windows for it ahead for lobs and stuff like that. So, I do wonder about that. But on Coloco's end, being able to scale up, I'm wondering about the jumper. And so, in the star drill, 16 of 25 from three, 72% from the free throw line. Before we get into Coloco, I just want to ask you do you believe in the super highway from free throw percentage to viable jump shooter that is often parroted? Like, I'm curious what you think.
1: I think it's a, a decent indicator to use. Um, but I think there's just a lot of stuff that take take into account. And I think people can get carried away with it at times. Um, so I, mean, I do think it is a good indicator to use. And you don't want to use it too much. And like th- we've seen good shooters with not the best free throw percentages. And, we- and we've seen the other way around. So I think it is definitely a good indicator. I just wouldn't be like, oh, look, he shot this percent from the free throw line. He had potential to be a shooter. I'd want to look at a lot more, look at the form um look at the touch around the rim and all that kind of stuff and going to form also i'm not even someone who thinks you need the perfect form if the shot goes in right we've seen so many shooters over the years who don't even have good form if the shot goes in i think it's more easy to criticize someone's form if they're not making shots obviously
0: right so as far as looking at form looking at other indicating factors what do you see with coloco you know the 16 for 25 is really nice But you can't honestly just extrapolate that into, okay, it's viable now. For some players, it does end up being a lot of guys from their summer in college, the NBA, all of a
1: sudden, they're there. But uh, what are your thoughts on Coloco for that? Yeah, so his shot, um, I think it's gotten a little bit better over the years. I think the free throw percentage actually is a good way to see that as well with him. Um, This year, he had a couple of mid-range shots from around the free throw line that looked all right there were there were times where he got the ball there and he hesitated which honestly i don't blame him one bit because that was not his role in the offense arizona played through everyone else besides him so the ones where he passed up the shot and then he went into it after it was like those ones don't look the best but that's because he was thinking about it instead of just shooting it um but yeah i think the form is actually a little bit inconsistent um but i think my my biggest worry with thinking about projecting him to be a shooter is with with bigs, sometimes even if they're capable of making a three, it doesn't really affect the defense. If you're going to shoot one or two threes a game, cool, you can shoot two. You make one of them, 50%. That doesn't really matter too much to me because I'm not going to jeopardize my rim protection to come close out on you, right? So I think the biggest thing when talking about shooters and projecting them, especially with bigs, to the next level is actually are they actually going to be meaningful enough to... um the man close out and, and make the defense actually worry about you. And I'm pretty skeptical that Coloco ever gets to that point because I still think he is a decent amount away from being a capable three point shooter. But I guess I wouldn't rule it out, but it's not something I bet on at all. The fake stretch, big,
0: the guy who takes two attempts per game shoots like 42% over a 40 game sample. Jonas Fallon has done it like four seasons. There's and then so it, many dips. like yeah. there's,
1: There's there's Daniel Tice as well. Like Horford's not a fake stretch big, but there are times where teams aren't even closing out on Horford at times. Mm -hmm. So why would they close out on other people? Right. It's just so much easier to have your big around the basket protecting the paint, unless you have like a a few years ago, Brooke Lopez was a perfect example of someone you would not leave open and the volume was a big reason why, because he would just put him up without even thinking about it.
0: Yeah. It's when I think about the Raptors and more of Coloco's fit, I want to know a couple things from your point of view. Is his screen craft, like how is he at opening up his guards to get free Fred Van Vliet until he had those injury problems post all-star break was a guy points per possession on or points per chance on second spectrum was, was killing guys who went under and was killing with space, not at the rim, but as a jump shooter. And Pascal Siakam is a guy who likes to clear his guy, keep him on the hip and get downhill. So Good screen setting will loom large. That will be important um, to kind of supply the the best players on the roster. So I'm curious what you think about his craft as far as that goes.
1: Yeah, so I don't think he seeks contact on screens. Um, Mm. But he sort of just stands there sometimes he shies away from the contact, but there are times where he also just stands there and makes good contact and it opens up the guard. So I, I, I'd say I'm probably somewhere in the middle with him, probably a neutral screen guy, not ideal. Um, definitely can use improvement there. But one thing I will say with that is I think we've seen some bigs over the years um, make a pretty – rapid growth and screening compared to their international film or their college film. It does seem like it's one that is easier to, to improve on compared to other skills. So I think there is room for optimism there. Um, I think when it comes to, or another thing about him as well is, even though he might shy away from contact at times, I think when, when defenses show different coverages, I think he throws some slips in as well. when the situation um, calls for it, which is good. He's not just doing a slip every time or not just standing there every time. He actually mixes it in, which is great. Um, as, as, and as, um, what's it called as, as for um, flipping his hips on the screens. Don't really see that too often um, to open up the guard, but I think there's a chance that that could have been because of how Arizona's offense was a lot. They were, a lot of just side pick and rolls and, and going towards the middle. And they did a lot of DHOs as well, where they'd have some guy coming off the DHO, he either give it to them or if the defense is denying, he would keep it. Then there's another guy coming off and they'd have an opening there. So I'd say that the, the flipping the hips um, for screens might've been more um, how the team was more than him, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that part.
0: When I think about the Raptors, I think about weave action. I think about a lot of dribble handoffs above the break and whether it was Chris Boucher, Thaddeus Young, Precious Achua, Pascal, they they had their guys who, you know, profile is bigger, Scotty as well, do that. So it's comforting to hear that he was running a lot of DHOs. Was he somebody that like if he passes on the DHO and tries to transition to the next handoff, could he be jumped or is he some somebody that you trusted above the, Let's say there's like 50 seconds left in the game they're trying to run an action he puts the ball on the floor are you comfortable he can get it to the next guy
1: not really no I, I <laughs> probably should have I, I should have probably clarified a little bit a lot of his handoffs are more of like from a standstill there are some DHOs as well a lot of them are from a hand are from a standstill though so I guess not a DHO there's a no dribble um there were a little bit of DHOs in there um but you're not the most comfortable there I would say with handoffs with him just sitting at on the wing or something with the ball in his hands without dribbling running guys around him he is you are comfortable with that
0: though okay and so this is I'm gonna lean on you as like the film guy you've seen it nobody can go look this up this isn't in the stats precious situa was somebody who very clearly had like outlier skills as a dribbler and while it's messy sometimes and sometimes it can be a bit erratic clearly there's a fluidity there to kind of if you want to scale it up to be able to do more things which we saw this past season that ended up being something that he delivered on Coloco. Not, not, we talked about the jump shot, the forum, but as far as like having a handle and being able to transport himself with the ball to places on the court, what are your thoughts on how that might
1: improve where it'll end up? Yeah. I'm, I would not expect much there at all. There was like a a player two this year, I actually posted one on Twitter earlier today where he got his hand in the passing lane and was able to dribble up to four for a Duncan transition. But besides that, I don't really expect much from him. I don't even expect him to, like, grab a rebound and push it up himself. I just think he he's pretty limited there. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect much from there. Okay. So it's, it sounds like we're leaning very hard on defense. And then yeah.
0: offensively, if he's not in the pick and roll, he's not screening dunker spot activity. Yeah, big show, uh, the Dunker Spot podcast, uh, friends of the show. But how is he working off of, like, you know, maybe somebody gets blitzed at the point of attack. He has to flash into space. There's a guy who, I don't know, maybe it's OG makes a cut and collapses the weak side, then carries through, and suddenly there's a big gaping spot. How does he seal when guys are changing, you know, uh, their their assignments defensively, right? Like he, if there's a small trying to cut through the middle,
1: is he going to take that guy on his hip and find a spot or something like that, right? So, so one thing I, I do think he understand spacing on offense um, to where if there's an opening, he can flash to the right spot or cut. Um, as, f- as far as getting positioning and stealing against guys, something I wanted to bring up when you're talking about Seahawks, I'm just him playing with another big who can, who can pass a little bit. Arizona had two ballots this year where they actually did a lot of high, low stuff. Don't really see it too often in the NBA to where they just have someone to free throw line. And the other guy has someone um, either trying to front them or they're selling them off down low and just throw the pass over the top and get an easy bucket that way. Don't expect that much at the NBA level, but when there is a mismatch, he was able to seal off, seal off his man and get the ball that way. Or if you had him at the elbow or at the top of the key, he was able to throw a couple of those entry passes over the top as well to to hit the guy who had the mismatch. So there's a little bit of passing there. Um, like I brought up earlier, the decision-making um, can be a little bit faster, but there is a little bit of passing there and, and, and cutting and spacing the floor, um, or if he sees an opening, flashing to the spot
0: is there if you could tell Raptors fans like what's the highlight package you would most recommend what's what's a couple games
1: that you've really enjoyed from Coloco I'd say the TCU game in the tournament um, was probably one of the best offensive shellings from him which like I said is, we're we're talking more about the defense but if you do want to have um an optimistic look on the offense. I would say that one can give you that kind of outlook. And if he can do stuff like that more consistently, he even had like a nice up and under in that game, pretty decent footwork where I've only seen him a couple of times throughout his three years. But I think that one would definitely be one to, to look at. And then if you want to see um, the defense, I would say the Pac-12 championship game against UCLA. I referenced it earlier where he was um, switching on to Jaime Jaquez, but his defense as a whole, that game was was pretty good.
0: And the next thing I want to ask is as far as playing against other guys who made it to the NBA, are there any notable performances against, or even you you talked about being able to seal a guy in the post. Is this like a, you know, and a decent NCAA guard that he, you know, he seals him in the post, he gets the bucket or did this happen, happen against like guys who we might actually see at the
1: next level? Um. Off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly specifically because it happened so much throughout the year. Right, right. But, but I would say that there were definitely some noteworthy names in there that he did it against. Um, I would say, um, so in terms of defense against some bigger guys, Kofi Coburn from Illinois is not an NBA player. I mean, he, he um, hasn't played in the NBA yet, but he is a monster. He is so big. He can just strength through a lot of people. Coloco, There were times where he'd get back down and and you could see the lack of strength against a much stronger big. But I think he did a really good job actually dealing with the physicality in that one, as well as using his length to try um, alter shots, even when not having the best um, positioning down low. I will say we haven't talked about it much. um, The offensive rebounding with Coloco is is really impressive. He uses his length well, and he can tap back out to get another possession. On the other end, the defensive rebounding is probably one of the more concerning things about the defensive side of the ball. we said a lot of praise about it. The defensive rebounding could be a little bit better, though.
0: That is such a Raptors-y fit, you know, because obviously the Raptors, they, they have quotes. You know, most teams, you don't get quotes, but the Raptors are saying, like, we looked at the percentages of what percentage of teams win when they win the possession differential by more than five possessions. And we're aiming for that. They artificially created possession differential. A lot of teams do it because they're good. The Raptors did it just to do it. And that ended up meaning that they were really bad at closing out their own defensive glass, but they're demons on the offensive glass. So Coloco being able to do the one, because well, Champagny, Donald Banton and Scotty Barnes were all 90th percentile or above in offensive rebounding rate um in in their archetypes on cleaning the glass which is kind of funny since they all came from the same draft class so I, I guess i'll ask you do you think coloco can be 90th percentile or above in the raptors system this next season so is 90th percentile like at the position is that what you're at saying the, at the yeah so like cleaning the glass it probably he'd be registered as a big yeah 90th percentile. So that,
1: that's a lot to ask for that's as a big tough. like it's much yeah. easier if you're going for the other positions as a big that's a lot to ask for i'd have to bet against it just because we're going 90th but i i I do think he'll be able to to have an impact on the offensive end um back to the last question that you asked me about um some notable nba players that he might have played though there was a play that always will always remember is his freshman year um they were playing baylor this was jared butler's second to last year um at, at baylor before he entered the draft and so it wasn't even his draft year but Coloco got switched out to him on the perimeter in the corner. And this is when Jared Butler's in college probably had the best handles in college. I, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying, um, those two years at Baylor, he, he had the best handles in college and Coloco did an amazing job on the, on the one possession that he got switched out to him on. Um, I actually remember it because this was Coloco's freshman year, wasn't playing much. Um, I know I've talked about how he's improved a lot throughout his career, but Just thinking about it more, like he didn't play much early on his freshman year, his sophomore year. um, He actually got more minutes, a little bit disappointing his sophomore year. And now his junior year, he broke out and definitely deserved to be drafted. But but yeah, the possession against Jared Butler from his freshman year, I'll never forget. And then in that game as well, he had like a behind the back pass that led, like that was an assist or led to a foul. I don't remember exactly which one, but ever since that game, like, oh, this guy's actually could be an NBA prospect going forward. And it took a little bit longer for him to get to this point, but it is cool to see.
0: I guess the intangible stuff, which you may have talked to people who know about him, but you may have just been somebody who's been watching his game, who has seen how he comports himself. You know, what are your thoughts on Christian Coloco, the young man?
1: Yeah, so I don't have the intel um, from the team on like exactly how he is as a person off the court or anything. But from what I've seen on the court and just over his three years is once again, willing to improve has shown the improvement. And I think seeing improvement with players who have been in college for multiple years is actually really important because if they haven't improved over one year to the next, why would you draft them? Right? Like you, you want to be able to see the improvement and hope that more improvement can come. So the fact that he's improved, I think is, is very noteworthy. seems like a very good teammate to they're always Arizona cheering each other on all that kind of stuff. But he just seems pretty easygoing. Um, there were a couple times where maybe he put up a shot where he shouldn't, but he seems to play within a system as well, not think that he needs to get his numbers. So pretty easy teammate, um, very easy guy to, to root for.
0: Hmm. Seems like he have pretty good vibes in the... like Because he's already started talking to a bunch of different people after being drafted by the Raptors, doing interviews and stuff like that, and seems like pretty chill. So that's nice to see. As far as what you think he'll become as an NBA player projections are tough. So even just in the foggy vision of who you might expect Christian Coloco to end up as what his game might look like in year five,
1: what are your thoughts on that? Um, So like what he looks like in five years. Yeah. Um, I think he can be a rotation big. Um, If you can figure out how to incorporate him into an offense, um, whether it's, making him be more of a threat or or having a guard who can be a threat in the pick and roll with him. Um, if he can, like I said, I'm skeptical, but if the shot comes along and it's actually worthy, that makes it so much easier because then there's at least space, even if he's not the best shooter, if defenses are respecting that there's at least space. Um, yeah, I, I think as long as the offense comes around, you, you have a rotation big just because of how good the defense can be. Um, a pretty mobile big who can protect the rim who's smart uses length all that kind of stuff that we've touched on um whether he can be a starter i think that will mostly depend more on the offense but even like i still think he can be a rotation player with the offense is negative to be clear um whether it comes to a start or not i'm not sure yet but but yeah i think he can be a rotation player
0: Hmm. is there is there like a best case scenario that if you were just over the moon you thought like this guy has these you know the the jump shot is going to develop. He's going to work really hard. He could, he could carve himself into, you know, this type of player. What's the best case scenario?
1: Best case scenario. Um, not a big comparison guy. So I, I'm not going to bring up a name for that. I'm just going we don't want more time to think about that one. But I, I think if, if the shot comes around, um, like you said, you, I would feel comfortable saying he can be a, an NBA starter um, on, on a good team because if you just have that shot with the closeouts, you're spacing the floor, you have that kind of defense, and then you have the ability to to finish lobs, there's just not much more you can ask for from a big. Obviously, best case scenario, the screening's improved as well. So, I mean, you're setting good screens, you're finishing at the rim, at least on lobs. Um, something to talk about, actually, I actually have the numbers for you. Um, I don't think it touches the best. Um try, not trying to get negative here again, but mm-hmm. don't think it touches the best. Um, if we we talk about him in the restricted area all year, Um, I have him down. I saw he was 65.4% in the restricted area. Not bad. Um, but if you take away those easy dunks that he got, and obviously you can't take away dunks in general, just because they're going to happen. But just on non-dunks was only 51% in the restricted area, which for a big, you probably want mm-hmm. a little bit better than that. Touch isn't the best. Um, yeah, going back to everything else, if, if if he's able to finish lobs, set good screens, space the floor, and then combine that with everything he could do on defense, that's definitely a starting caliber player for sure.
0: That's that's nice to hear. From So I haven't really dug into the film yet. I mean, it, anybody who's watching this, the YouTube channel will have a breakdown from me once I – I do probably, I have to watch a a serious handful of games and kind of get familiar with more numbers. So man, that, that might not be for a little while, but it sounds like a guy who really has a shot at a second contract and maybe more. And in the second round, that's, you know, you're trying to make a guy that turns out to be an NBA player of consequence, not a star or anything like that. You take them when they come, but It sounds to me like the Raptors have found that guy. Are you confident with that?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I am confident. And like we've talked about before, his defense really does fit how the Raptors want to play and them just using him. Like I could see him giving some productive minutes his rookie season. I think it's always unfair to expect that from a rookie. Um, But I I could definitely see him providing value even this year, which would be great on the defensive end. Um, And then, yeah, if you get that in the second round, it, it's tough to hit a home run and find a star in the second round. So if you could just find a rotation player, you're happy with that pick. And and there's definitely a chance that, that could be Coloco.
0: That's yeah, the Raptors. If he fits defensively, the chances are he's going to play, even if the offense is is not good. I I've heard people say like they might expect him to eclipse double dig, double digit minutes per game. That's that's a lot. You know, Delano I, Banton for a time got around like double digits, but then his role became much more solidified as like he might play. And if he does, it's between five to nine minutes. But Delano Banton is a guy who's really, really limited providing any offense at the uh, NBA level. And because he kind of fit the Raptors ethos, he played a lot of minutes in their funky lineups being that, you know, I guess Delano is like six, eight, and with not even a crazy wingspan, but he got minutes. So Coloco, if, if I had to, based on what I'm hearing, based on the little bit that I've seen, and and also what Nick Narcis said, I, I expect him to get minutes, but I also expect some some G League time as well. If you were if you were the Raptors 905 coach and you and you want to feature Coloco at the G League level and you want him to develop, what are what are you trying to do?
1: I still think the best way for him like to develop is you want to put him in the role that he's going to be at the NBA level, because I'm a little bit more skeptical on like the ball handling stuff, I don't really see that. I wouldn't want to ask him to do that at the G League level. I would want him to to work on the screening, but then getting him with the guard who can get him the ball at the rim and do that kind of stuff that we've talked about before. So just having that kind of infrastructure around him in the G League could be beneficial for him at the NBA level. So that's what I'd hope to see him in the G League. But just getting the minutes and getting the reps, if he's not getting consistent minutes in the NBA, definitely would want him getting minutes in the G League.
0: That's yeah, that's kind of like the Raptors whole deal is there like we can take on some guys maybe earlier, maybe later, maybe undrafted and kind of, you know, with an eye on development for the league. We pay a little bit more attention to our G League uh, team than a lot of people do. And, uh, you know, evidenced by everybody getting plucked who coaches their G League team ends up going elsewhere. But uh, yeah, that's that's really, really encouraging to hear. For anybody who's listening at home or watching at home or whatever, what are your parting shots? If you haven't said it about Coloco, uh, what would you say to them now?
1: I'd say, I mean, Toronto fans are getting a, a really good defensive big and being able to get that kind of value in the second round. You can't ask for much more. Um, you have a very good chance of getting a rotation player, whether it's just getting 10 to 15 minutes from him or getting more stuff in the air. But you definitely have a chance of getting a rotation player who can provide a lot of value on the defensive end. Awesome. And for the people
0: at home watching, listening, where can they find you if they want more Milner
1: in their life? What do they do for that? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter. Zach Milner 13. Um, I post a lot of a lot of basketball. That's pretty much all I talk about, whether it's the draft or the NBA. Um, this past cycle, I didn't put out written content that wasn't on Twitter. I am going to do this for the next lesson with the team. I'm going to do this for the next cycle. So I'll be back to writing more in depth stuff on the 2023 pass. So keep an eye on for that as well. But all of that, even the links to that will be posted on Twitter. So just follow me at Zach Milner 13. Hell yeah. And if I can say to you, listener viewer, that's a
0: co-sign from me, Zach, great guy. And a fun fact, 1995, October 2nd, two children were born. Me, and this guy. Incredible. So got, yeah. So if you got to the end of the podcast, fun fact for you. But Zach, thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Really glad to be here.
0: Yeah. it's It's been a blast. Uh, listener, viewer, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Big shout out to Christian Coloco. Good luck on your forthcoming NBA career. And uh, yeah, so take care out there. Uh, have a blessed day and goodbye.